the game. You're listening to Industrial Evolution. I'm your host, Chad Perry, CTO and software engineer. You can find more episodes and contact information on our website, industrial.fm. Enjoy the show, and if you need help with custom software, data integrations, or strategy, be sure to reach out. That's industrial.fm. Today, we're speaking with Sunil Sanan, Senior Vice President of Data and Analytics for Infosys, a multinational technology company that provides business consulting, information technology, and outsourcing services. Sunil is here to share with us what he calls the art of the possible, or addressing probably the single biggest challenge to digital transformation. And that is, with so much technology changing at such a rapid pace, it can be almost impossible to know where or how to start taking advantage of all of those possibilities, especially when you're talking about using data and analytics to make better, faster decisions. But fortunately for us, Sunil sits on the front lines of industrial digital transformation where he not only guides Infosys clients through their own journeys, but he also has a high-level view of trends in the market that can inform all of our priorities for the future. Sunil, great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me, uh, Chad. Glad to be here. So before we get into this, I know that Infosys is a huge $13 billion company. So can you give me a brief background on your role at Infosys and where the company fits into the landscape of industrial digital transformation? I'm a senior vice president responsible for data and analytics uh, business here at Infosys. Infosys is, you know, enabling our digital transformation for our customers across uh, industry verticals. Industrial sectors are a major uh, market in which uh, we help our customers in digital transformation to uh, digitize their core operations, digitize to help uh, their customer experience and, and deliver you know, superior uh, engagement uh, with, with customers, employees, and other stakeholders. The company that is enabling, you know, our customers uh, to succeed in the marketplace uh, using digital services. You have this concept called the art of the possible. So what exactly does that mean? And is that something that is just personal to you? Or is that something that you embody at Infosys as a company? Yeah, I think when it comes to the data analytics and AI, you know, we see our customers struggling to to put together their strategy around this. And, and, and you know, the, the biggest thing or the biggest problem we say that the industry has is uh, how you frame the problem. What is the problem that you are trying to solve? And the expanse of data and analytics uh, applications are so wide that, you know, it requires a well-thought-out strategy to make sure that it is aligned with the business needs. It is aligned to enable uh, new business models and the other possibilities that it can drive for the the customer uh, as well as the ecosystem in which they operate. So out of the possible is you know, a way that uh, we guide uh, and inform the, the customer strategy to embrace data and analytics and AI to then deliver the business outcomes that they are that they are looking to achieve through this. So this is a, a model that we have you know adopted and have created a point of view around this that is helping our customers uh, translate uh, their business needs into a strategy that they can execute. Yet another way of putting that or phrasing that I would think is you just don't know what you don't know. And the the idea of industry 4.0 it's such a broad topic. There's just so much and and even 
even if that weren't the case, if you look at an industrial organization or really any large organization, but especially a process, heavily process driven organization like a manufacturing company, there's just, you've got a complex operation. So co- compound that with the fact that you've got all these options. Uh, that That's very much a problem of you just don't know what you don't know. Now, you've also said that the last time we spoke that the pandemic has really played a role in pushing things forward the last, uh, really the last, I guess it would be the last 12 months. So how has how does that come into play? You know, I think the complexities that you just spoke about uh, that the industrial sectors have, uh, they get further compounded with the uncertainties and the urgencies that pandemic has driven, you know, in the manufacturing industry, you know, across, uh, you know, different sectors, discrete manufacturing to process manufacturing and others. You know, there there's there are a couple of things that, you know, we have seen what pandemic has driven uh, in the industry. One is that it has validated the role of digital to be able to, you know, understand where the new demands are and how do you pivot your uh, business strategy to take advantage of those, you know, green shoot opportunities or the new, uh, you know, shift in the demand that you're seeing. So it has validated the role of digital to successfully, you know, pivot to the newer dimensions as they emerge. Uh, Second is the acceleration in adoption of uh, digital. We are operating in a remote and a contactless economy and the role for digital, you know, across the board, whether you are engaging with your customers, with your partners, the dealers and other entities uh, in your value chain in order to, you know, serve your customers better, the role of digital has just become that much stronger. The use of uh, AI is certainly, you know, we are seeing an increased adoption and an acceleration to not only look at AI in the in the core operations to be able to automate, you know, your processes and the complexities that you talked about, uh, bringing in cognitive sciences in order to solve for that, but also using AI to drive newer products and services that are AI powered, looking at new business models that are powered through AI, you know, like connected ecosystems whereby companies are able to collaborate and create uh, new business models uh, that they can use for serving their customers better. So these are, you know, some of the you know industry trends that we are noticing from data analytics and AI perspective. But, you know, the, the implications on the industrial sectors, you know, cut across the, the entire value chain. You know, the, the impact is there across how they understand the market demand and the shifts that are happening. How do they engage with uh, customers and consumers using digital and use that to, to be able to contextualize their data and, and their, their products and services impact on operations you know we spoke about that and also cutting across you know how you you know do product development you know this is an era where there is a continuous improvement and innovation you know that has to go into your uh, product itself and digital presents a unique opportunity for you know our customers to be able to uh, drive what we call live engineering which is how do you connect your product engineering cycles with the market feedback so that you are able to continuously innovate and get feedback on those products to be able to improve those. Yeah, it's definitely a wide open opportunity as, as you describe it. It's a it's a broad landscape of just rich opportunities, but they are complicated opportunities. And one of the other words that you used that stood out to me was urgency. And you know, this is a topic that that has that I've that's come up a lot in conversations I've had and you know, I read about it and I hear about it. And this idea of 
urgency driven by the pandemic. I wonder if the urgency is truly long lived, as in, is it urgency around we just have to respond to this emergency and then we can go back to normal, what we perceive as normal? Or is it urgency in that now that the cat is out of the bag, so to speak, everybody is racing to transform? Is this an urgency that affects the next 5, 10, 20 years? We think that this you know, digital adoption and acceleration is going to last uh, beyond the immediate urgencies that the pandemic has created. To look at some of the other technology and industry trends, the opportunities and the challenges uh, you know, for the industrial sectors are going to be tremendous you know, going forward as well. With the advent of 5G, you know, you're going to reimagine you know, how you engage and serve your customers, how do you really run your manufacturing operations. You know, the concept of uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, powered through the 5G kind of infrastructure is going to become a reality, you know, in terms of uh, how you adopt them for driving your simulations, driving, understanding your operations and assets that are out there in the field, using concepts like digital twin. You know, how do you really drive digital adoption in the far expanses of field services and the and the assets and, and operations that you have in the in the fields and in the global markets. So 5G is going to drive a tremendous opportunity for the industrial sectors to be able to drive uh, completely new frontiers of innovation and efficiency. The second trend that we are seeing are more sectoral, you know, for example, utility industries. You know, we are seeing a significant shift in the industry in terms of how uh, the demand, for example, the electric cars, you know, number of things that are happening in that sector are going to not only impact the demand, but also the supply equation. And and with the grid modernization uh, initiatives, whereby, you know, you're looking at more uh, digital capabilities in the in the grid network, you're going to see a significant transformation uh, that will not only impact utility industry, but also, you know, across other sectors that it serves. So you have electric cars that are being looked at as the mobile storage uh, for electricity. You are looking at consumers becoming prosumers, uh, which is instead of just being consum- you know, a consumer that consumes the, uh, the energy, they are also becoming the producers of energy, right? With the uh, adoption of solar and others, you're looking at a, a completely different demand pattern you know, with the, with the adoption of newer, you know, equipments that are electric powered as well. So in this environment, how do you do your demand forecasting? How do you forecast what kind of load you're going to have on your grid for you to be able to plan your contracts and make sure that you're utilizing those capabilities? There are distributed energy providers, you know, that provide uh, a significant shift in the way in which, you know, the energy is stored and distributed. So the, so the industrial transformation is here to stay. And these are creating the new frontiers of innovation and efficiencies and possibilities of new business models for for our clients. And we think that digital cloud, AI, 5G, you know, are going to be the foundations on which the newer business models are going to be built. From a consumer's perspective, this sounds very exciting, right? This This is the future that I wanted. This is the flying car future. Not quite there. But really interesting shifts, and it really makes it sound like we've got a really bright future ahead of us. However, on the flip side of that, somebody has to enable that future, and that's disruptive. It's also painful for the companies that are 
entrenched and that are used to doing things a certain way. And of course, this happens all the time. Uh, but when it's happening to you, the question then becomes, what do we do about it? And how do we actually figure out what we're going to do about it? And so that's what I think of as this idea of the art of the possible, how you've described it as using data and analytics to frame the problem. That's the ultimate goal, it sounds like, is to really come to an understanding of what is it about this landscape that is available to us or important to us that we need to either react to or proactively get out in front of. And so you just described a couple of emerging areas. I'd like to actually go into a little bit more detail about each one of these, because I think this really paints a good picture of where we are. And I want to just go through each of these one by one and just let you kind of add some, you know, add some further comments to this. So the first is using data to make better financial decisions. So last time we talked, we talked about, talked about alleviating constraints on working capital and cash flow prioritizing capitalization versus services and OPEX. So tell me a little bit more about that and, and why that's so important. It brings us back to the question of how you frame the problem. The, the industry trends and the, and the trends of technology are going to converge to create newer opportunities. But those opportunities have to be converted into you know, what's your data analytics and AI strategy and what capabilities that you're going to invest in that will allow you to take advantage of those trends. And the way we uh, look at it at Infosys and we have helped many of our clients uh, embrace this to drive their strategy is three horizons. These three horizons you know, enable uh, customers to look at their opportunities with a specific idea of how do you uh, take advantage of all the technologies that are available across uh, cloud, AI, 5G, and a number of other innovation in the industry. The first horizon is what you referred to when you talked about data-driven enterprise and making better decisions. And the whole idea here is, and this is a big paradigm shift. I mean, it sounds simple that you want to use data to make decisions, but just think about an organization that is global, uh, has tens of thousands of people, so, you know, sometimes, you know, even bigger, have multiple different uh, functions and departments and companies are collaborating. So it's not just internal. So, you know, it's, it's also about engaging uh, with your value chain partners to be able to drive things. And data is locked every step of the way. You know, it's locked in processes, it's locked in applications, it's locked in departments, and oftentimes within the company. Uh, and there is a question on data protection and data security and data privacy. So it's not just about opening, you know, the data for access, but the idea is to making, you know, data accessible to the right set of users at the right time with the required level of security and authorization and privacy as, as needed for that particular kind of data that you're dealing with. And with the quality that business can trust, and enabling such a you know fabric of data that can touch you know the right set of users and hence the business functions where data and insights can can make a difference is what this journey is about. And and this takes you know the ideas of how do you create seamless data pipelines, how do you strengthen your data governance strategy that not only caters to the you know the current uh, ecosystem of uh, data. The, the patterns of data is continuously changing. You know, I spoke about 5G and what that's going to bring is the edge computing, which means that it will not only be, all of this is not going to be in one place and the edge, edge computing will take, you know, edge devices to the, you know, the far trenches, uh, you know, closer to your customers and where the applications are. And you need to, you know, be able to really extend the data ecosystem to provide 
data governance, data security, privacy, and the processing, compute, and storage that is needed for you to you know run your uh, data models or AI models and analytics models that that you're going to have there. Um, so this horizon is is enabling that. Now with the industry trends and the uh, pandemic, we see certain priorities that have come into play. For example, you know many of the customers uh, that we are working with uh, are focusing on customer centricity as as one of the core themes. And what that means is that they want to have a better understanding of what their customer needs are, where they are, you know how has pandemic impacted them, and how can you know our uh, customers you know serve their customers better. So putting the lens of data-driven enterprise on certain theaters like customer centricity then creates uh, an idea of, uh, you know, creating a data fabric that touches the customer value chain. You know, we're seeing increased need on the resilient operating model. Uh, when companies had to shift from the pre-pandemic way of working to now in remote and contactless, they realized that the model that they had invested in was not very resilient and was not very agile. With the cloud and AI and other digital foundation, you know, you're able to pivot, you know, much better. In fact, we were fortunate that uh, this happened when the digital infrastructure was present you know, in terms of the internet, in terms of a number of, you know, different digital technologies that uh, we have adopted both as consumers as well as organizations. And that has really helped us, you know, pivot. So those are some of the newer priorities, you know, to build the resilient operating model, focusing on customer centricity. Uh, how do you bring 360 degree view of your uh, assets, products, customers, so that you are able to drive uh, decisions at the right time and in the right processes. Wow, there's no way I'll be able to unpack all that, but I, I just I have to try to I have to give it a shot. So we're we're talking about data to make better financial decisions, and you've described so much there, but you've put it into these three horizons, and the first one was data driven enterprise. So that's that's really about there not only being a gold mine of existing data in these systems, but also about the future of even more data coming in from the edge, having data closer to your customers. And that has all kinds of knock-on effects, like having to retrain and having to create new models of inspiring creativity inside your organization and recruiting a new mix of skills and talent. So can you tell me, can you expand, this, uh, expand on this a little bit about the other horizons as well? So the second horizon is what we call as data native, digital native uh, enterprises. You know, you, you see across industries, you know, the big, large corporates are competing with the digital bonds, you know, that bring native digital capabilities, right? And, and they've disrupted the market uh, using digital to, you know, offer new business models and new engagement models, you know, for customers. In order to compete with those digital bonds, uh, the journey is for the, the major uh, corporates to become digital native. And we believe that for one to be digital native, you have to be data native. It's, it's two sides of the coin. And it's not about processing the data that comes out of your digital properties to see who's doing what and, and how do you drive, you know, better recommendations and things like that. I think the idea of data native, digital native is to use data and insights to create new digital experiences. You know, you look at uh, what we've done in the world of tennis, you know, through data and insights and analytics, we are actually creating a new fan experience altogether, new player experience, new coach experience. And that's what digital, you know, the power of digital is. So to enable organizations to become digital native through data and insights and AI, 
uh, is what this theater is and it you know with the pandemic we have seen more of you know disintermediation because of the remote and contactless economy but there's also an aspect of you know real time sensing and you know acting and, and responding to situation you know that's sentience uh, you know built into the organization you know with the in the digital world the interactions are real time and you want to be able to understand those demand signals and and the consumer signals and customer signals to be able to process that in real time come out with you know your responses to be able to engage and so on so you have disintermediation on one hand you have the real time you know sensing and and responding cycles and then you're coupling that with building sentience in the organization working on this digital infrastructure in order to you know compete in the in the digital world and that's what this second horizon you know is about I should mention that this is one of those areas where despite having vast amounts of resources larger organizations are at a disadvantage compared to smaller organizations who can pivot quickly adopt new ways of doing things and of course the tools that they can adopt reflect that as well they can adopt piecewise tools or they could wholesale transform their organization in a matter of months or or, or years at worst case and so that's that's a problem in and of itself so you've described these these horizons as the first one being the data-driven enterprise. So that's more about becoming data-driven and insights-driven. Whereas the second one, this idea of transformation, is not about analyzing the data coming out of your digital properties. It's about framing the business problem differently now that you have that data. Am I getting close? That is uh, absolutely right. You know, digital opens new opportunities. And how do you use that to drive newer you know business models and and engagement models so absolutely right i think those are the you know the art of the possible really from digital perspective that the large organizations can embrace and create differentiation in the market you know let's talk about the third you know horizon as well uh, since we have covered the first two just to complete the picture yeah i mean there's there's a knock on effect from these first two horizons as well and that is once you've been able to transform and use data you you can actually use that for for business benefit yeah and and you know we we believe that the economy now and in future is going to be more connected and that's where you know all the innovations and the technology and the industry trends are are moving we believe that there is a an economy driven by data that is coming together that every company can participate in like market economy which has consumers and producers and they compete with each other there are complements and substitutes uh, there's role for government to regulate uh, the industry you know you're looking at how you know some of those competition and and the way the industries uh, you know are organized and companies are looking at their opportunities finally serve the citizens and the consumers better and then that's the journey that the market economy is enabled if you look at the data economy it is structurally the same you know you have data producers and you have data consumers you're going to look at new dominant industry plays created by companies based on the data uh, that they have collaborate with other uh, companies in order to create new data driven products and services we believe that industry lines are blurring you know because the physical products don't transcend industry boundaries that easily but data does so if you're a medical device manufacturer you could become a patient caregiver because of the knowledge and the and the data that you have about your patients which you can then you know utilize to serve a better outcome for the patients themselves so here's the and there is a role for government on one side to promote 
the good use of data, but also to bring in regulations uh, whereby uh, the data privacy, data security, you know, is, is implemented and other policies are brought in that can, you know, that can avoid the misuse or abuse of data. So there is a role for government, much like, you know, what, what you see in the market economy. So the third horizon, we call it data economy. And the idea is uh, how do you open the possibilities for our uh, customers to create new ecosystems whereby they collaborate with not only the players in their traditional industries, but across to imagine new business models, to come out with new data-driven products and services, look at in, in what way they can create their dominant industry plays and differentiation in the market to, to grow. Yeah, and that's a reality that I feel like we've seen played out in the last, really the last 10, 20 years with the rise of the platforms. The platform companies are now the dominant companies. And part of that, if you look at an example like Amazon, part of that is because they have so much data that they can extract intelligence from that and that becomes a competitive advantage. So is that what you're thinking when you say that there's now this data economy where if you have that data, you're able to be more competitive or is there another angle to it? I think the the whole idea is to uh, utilize data as an asset, as a strategic asset that enables newer products and services for consumers and customers. And oftentimes, you know, also lead to newer business model. Let's take an example of electric vehicles. You know, that generates uh, a lot of data and that, that data can be used for predictive maintenance of the of the car. You could use that data to, you know, really drive some of the newer uh, data-driven products and services inside the car, infotainment to, you know, other, you know, services that the consumers are exhibiting their preferences for. You could also use this data to, you know, look at how companies could uh, enter sectors like insurance, enter sectors, you know, where you can service the consumer with the, you know, the economy in which they operate. But it's also an opportunity for the uh, customers to look at how they can use this as a foundation to drive a larger change in the business model. So this idea of owning the car to then moving to mobility as a service uh, is an opportunity because of the digital way of you know, managing that particular service, it then enables a completely new you know, market opportunity for the electric vehicle manufacturers. And we see this playing out in, in almost all industrial sectors where you know, our customers can use digital as a foundation, AI as a foundation, cloud as a foundation to reimagine their business and then the, you know, the service uh, that they are offering to their customers. That brings us back to this idea of these emerging areas. So we've just been talking about really one theme here, and that is using data to make better financial decisions and open up new opportunities. But there are other things like the supply chain. So what's happening with the supply chain? The impact that data you know, has and then the pandemic and some of the other industry trends are not limited to you know, financials. Obviously, Financials is a is a big uh, one where you want to be able to predict your cash flows, be able to plan your working capital, and then be able to actually prioritize how you invest in you know different projects given these you know business opportunities. But I think the the opportunity for and and the challenges that our customers have in areas like supply chain are also immense. If you look at you know what's happened over the last uh, one year, we saw supply chains were optimized for cost and the realization that we all have in the industry 
is that it also needs to be optimized for risk as much as it is optimized for cost. So how do you see an onset of a risk factor in your supply chain and be able to respond to that so that it does not become a disruption? It is a big shift in the way in which you know customers have to look at supply chains. International supply chains have other economic factors as well coming into play. The time horizon uh, that you have for planning your supply chain is also shrinking with the digital opportunities. Your, your optimization is now you know, better because you're able to plan for a shorter horizon and, and be able to take advantage of the newer demand signals that you are getting through, through your digital channels. So that's uh, you know, a significant shift. Collaboration is becoming deeper in, in supply, uh, supply chain. So the way you engage your, your suppliers, you know, for example, your production plan may change because of the demand signals that you're seeing, but you need to have close collaboration with your suppliers in order for them to be able to respond to that and support you in your, in your objectives and the timeframes and the timelines that you have. So we're seeing these pressures coming in. We are helping our customers with the supply chain early warning solutions that can monitor risk across uh, you know, multiple different domains within the supply chain. We are helping customers with the supplier 360 kind of models that tells them at any given point in time, you know, how's the supplier performance across you know multiple different dimensions so that they can make the right business decisions. You know, we are projecting risks uh, in the in the supply chain. You know that can you know uh, be catered to. We are enabling you know collaboration through data economy for the entire partner network to collaborate and use data uh, insights and AI to to be able to cater to the newer demands in the industry. And obviously, there is an aspect of restructuring the supply chain that is, is much deeper that many of our clients have gone through given the macroeconomic conditions that we saw coming out of the uh, pandemic and the lockdown. The flip side of that risk is that you want a resilient supply chain, but a resilient supply chain could be, I mean, depending on who you are and how extensive your supply chain is, that could mean minor tweaks or it could be a wholesale restructuring, as you say. So I was actually kind of thinking about these conversations that I've seen around reshoring. And I know that that's just one component of it, but this, that you're, they're also trying to, that, that a lot of companies are also trying to get their production closer to their end consumers or their, or their end uh, customers so that they don't have the risk of this long, complex supply chain. Are you seeing that as well? Yeah, I think multiple factors you know, are, are coming into play. And like I was saying earlier, uh, earlier it was optimized for cost and, and obviously be able to serve the customer in a differentiated way. But risk is uh, is a big element coming into that to look at how you how you adjust for those. So there are pressures uh, and forces in the industry that would want you know the supply chain to co-locate with the production, but also you know one has to consider uh, the markets that they are serving and how you restructure supply chain to take out some of the other you know geopolitical and other risks uh, that that come in the in the equation. So yes, there is a trend you know to make supply chain more resilient through closer collaboration between the manufacturers and the suppliers. But there are also other forces to to think about.
There is this idea that we have developed called concurrent planning that actually impacts the supply chain as well, which is when you have a, a signal that needs to be responded to, how do you make sure that that signal is available across the entire value chain as against the traditional way of processing it in a linear way. So that certainly creates newer efficiencies within the supply chain. But the same concept of concurrent planning extends to the product development as well. You know, we we see the product engineering cycles having a, a different kind of connect with the markets and customers, you know, which was not necessarily connected, you know, in a way that the digital infrastructure can today for, for the companies. And that creates a lag in the in the product life cycles and and the feedback that you get from the market what we are seeing is through continuous feedback that's coming from you know your assets that are out there in the field the consumer engagement or customer engagement that you have with your customers all of which can go into your product engineering life cycle in a way that can help you improve products and even conceptualize newer ways of delivering those products and services to to the customers that you're serving and you know we call it live engineering and the idea is taking market feedback customer feedback on a continuous basis that then becomes the backlog on which you're building your you know product roadmaps and that creates opportunities for you know organizations to create newer products and services but also generate loyalty the customers being able to understand their changing needs that allows you to you know stay closer to your customers to create you know, uh, an equation or an engagement with the customer that helps them grow as well. So that's the the impact that we see or the opportunity that we see in product development through digital and data. Yeah, I like this idea or this, this term, live engineering. It really paints a picture of something that is an ongoing thing and not these large cycles where you can lose sight of that feedback that you need. And actually those signals that you keep using this term signal those at some point map to actual data points and metrics. And those are things that, that you can actually build into a proper digital infrastructure. Am I, am I close on that or, or were you thinking in different terms? The, the idea is you know, what, how you articulated it. If you look at the signal, it's a way to understand you know, what data is telling you. As we were discussing earlier, the data landscape itself is you know, expanding and becoming more complex. You know, with IoT, with Industry 4.0, with 5G is going to get even more richer and denser. We work on an idea called Digital Brain, which connects these different data together to understand you know, a new pattern, to understand an anomaly, to understand a change. And that becomes a signal that you could respond to. So Digital Brain works on the idea of knowledge graph that allows you to look at the data to understand the connections as against the previous world where connections were driven by rules no longer because data is continuously changing. You're now working on the idea that the data uh, itself tells you a story and by combining different domains of data, you can glean newer insights and newer uh, trends. And those are the signals that the Digital Brain generates that can then be sent to the right actors. If you are a marketer, it could mean you know an opportunity for you to offer uh, certain benefits to your customers to take advantage of you know what they are looking for. You could you know have a signal that goes to a product development team for you know what they could look at in their you know improvement areas. It could be a signal to finance. It could be a signal to customer service 
and so on. So that's essentially, you know, the idea of a signal and how do you clean that from what data is telling you. Yeah, and that's where we're talking about data moving beyond just better financial decisions into every aspect of the company, every aspect of your operation, and not just having it come in one end and go as a linear sequence down through a bunch of decisions, but something that is available to the entire organization so that they can interpret that in whatever way makes sense for their particular perspective on the world. So if that's your engineering team or your marketing team, they probably have very different views of the world, even though they obviously need to collaborate. So having access to the same data is certainly something that is going to be extremely beneficial. And speaking of that, that would be the fourth emerging area, which would be forecasting, which you touched on a little bit. But this is, I mean, this is obviously something that's changed a lot in the last year, but will continue to change just due to broader market forces. So tell me a little bit about how forecasting is changing. So the idea is is twofold. One is, do you have better demand signals and other signals in the market, which will allow you to triangulate and get a better understanding of what that looks like so that you are able to forecast it over a period of time? And the other is, you know, whether you can forecast closer, use predictive to be able to forecast uh, the, the period for which it gives you the optimum results, right? And then how do you use AI to, to be able to drive that. Um, we see the entire value chain that our customers operate in go across multiple levels and your ability to forecast really generates the, you know, the efficiencies in the whole ecosystem. And oftentimes that ecosystem crosses, you know, across to your value chain partners as well. So forecasting is one, you know, big, you know, focus area for the industrial sectors. And the way we are, you know, seeing this and, you know, I was talking about the idea of concurrent planning is to be able to, you know, one, understand, you know, what's really uh, changing. Traditionally, you know, large organizations have looked at uh, certain ways to be able to forecast their demand. But now through digital, they have multiple different sources. For example, uh, a CPG food manufacturer, food products uh, manufacturer could look at the kind of, uh, you know, items that people are searching for, you know, on, on the online forums. And that could give them a trigger or an understanding of what, what people want I and mean, what their needs are. And that could go into, you know, their, uh, you know, demand, you know, understanding and how they sense new demand that is emerging. You could triangulate that data across online to physical, and that gives you a completely different understanding for what consumers are looking for. So really using multiple different channels to understand your demand, that's one. And second, using this idea of concurrent planning so that, that the new insight that you have about your demand can then be planned across and then uh, use that for forecasting across your you know, value chain. We see this in spare parts, which is the aftermarket, a huge uh, need to be able to forecast the demand for different components and things like that. Uh, we're seeing this in the primary markets as well, uh, which is you know understanding how the consumer demands have shifted, uh, customer demand is also shifted you know, across different product lines and wherever you have the reduced demand, you know, how do you predict those so that you are able to channel, you know, your investments in the areas which are green shoots uh, opportunity or the areas where you have increased uh, demand. There is some uncertainty that you just can't control. And so two things that I'm, that I'm thinking of, and really one big one is government actions, especially in times of crisis. And then the Associated or maybe just 
inevitable economic forces as well. So can digital help with that? Or is that just something that we have to make sure that everything else is optimized as well as possible, because those are the things that will just never be certain? There are ways to take advantage of digital, even in uncertain times. And in fact, I would say more so in in uncertain times, because your ability to understand what those risks are, what those uncertainties are, and what would your response be is much better when you're on a digital foundation, because you can see an onset of that risk early enough. You have those signals to, to process on that gives you the ability to respond to that. But directly coming to the question of uncertainties that come out, which are not predicted before, you could still use digital as you are planning ahead, you know, your operations, you could use digital to run what if simulations. And, you know, those are the possibilities that you could see uh, either emerging or things that you can't see, but you really want to see how uh, the supply chain or your core operations or your customer operations would respond in case of those uh, you know possibilities. Digital gives you a better way to be able to simulate that. Through, uh, you could do this through digital twins. If there are government actions, you could do that through uh, different digital visualizations. You know that that could disrupt either your demand or the or the supply side of the equation. But digital gives you the capability to, you know, look at some of those what-if uh, simulations as well. That that also goes into your ability to forecast. You know, since you are adjusting your forecast for certain risk factors, and these AI models really help process not only the inputs that you've seen in the past, but also inputs that you can predict, or or oftentimes even that you can't predict, but you want to test. You know, your operational resilience to see how you would respond and be able to then give you a way to create you know, some cushion in your operation, so to speak. With digital, uh, you get the agility as well for you to respond to such equations or, or situations that uh, we saw playing out in, in pandemic. The companies that had digital foundation were able to pivot and take advantage of uh, increased uh, business through the digital channels. And even remote working, people were able to quickly pivot from the going to office to then working from home because of the digital infrastructure that was there. So I think Digital helps in multiple different ways in the uncertain times and on actions that you can't predict. And I would say more so when when those happen. It sounds like the lesson there is that risk, regardless of its source, can really be just considered as an input into a digital model. And so if you have the digital infrastructure in place, you can take advantage of the ability to simulate responses to that risk or get out ahead of certain trends. And unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap up here in a minute. But what I want to do is I want to try to summarize what we've what we've talked about. We've covered so much and there's still there's still like we could just keep going for another hour. But I I want to try to summarize and then see if there's anything you can add to this as maybe like a key takeaway. So what we've talked about is four emerging areas for data and analytic analytics to better frame a problem. So the first is better financial decisions. The second is supply chain management. The third is product development. And the fourth is forecasting. And when we look at that, we look at those and we look out on the horizon in terms of three different horizons. The first is being a data-driven enterprise. So that is using data and insights more that are, that are already available as well as being prepared for the future where we're going to have even more data available. The second is digital transformation, which is not about analyzing the data that's coming out of your digital properties. 
It's about framing your business problem differently. And the third is understanding that we are moving into a data economy, and that's going to enable new forms of competitive offerings of new products and services like connected services with subscription revenue models. And something else you touched on just here and there were these these idea of outcomes or outcome theaters, as, as you put them. And the first one there would be revenue. So all of these things ultimately need to lead to better or increased revenue. The second is cost efficiency and risk management, which we, of course, talked about in terms of government and economic actions and things that we just can't predict. And the third is new revenue models, which arise out of this data economy, like what we talk about. So is there is there anything you can add to that? Do you feel like we've really missed anything important or what would the key takeaways there be? You know, these are the tools, the three horizons and the outcome theaters to identify what your business opportunity is given the industry trends and the and the overall macroeconomic environment and the other impacts that we're seeing in the in the largest society. But the more important element is to translate that into what your strategy is and what your priorities are. You know, we, we certainly guide our customers to prioritize and not try and do everything that data can present, but really aligning your data strategy to your business strategy so that you're able to take advantage of, you know, the investments that you're going to make to serve that business strategy, which allows you to, you know, grow and, and differentiate in the market. It also translates into what kind of data capabilities that you want to, you know, implement within the within the enterprise and, and in the ecosystem, right, through data economy. It serves, uh, you know, a, a long-term purpose to have that direction in mind, which is informed by your business strategy and, and creates a, a sense of purpose to all these investments that, that then creates those outcomes. We, we see, you know, business strategy and data strategy not connected in, in many organizations. And there you see a, a large investment being put in, in moving to cloud, trying to modernize every application that you have, but not essentially see the outcome, right? So I think the, the one of the key takeaways that I do want to put in here is how do you use these tools that we spoke about to drive better data analytics and AI strategy for the organization that is aligned and informed by business strategy and work towards, you know, delivering those outcomes, uh, align your investments to do so. Yeah, well said. So on that note, if an organization wants to work with Infosys or wants to work with your team, what is the best way for them to start? We uh, do have presence across all the major markets, North America, EMEA, uh, Asia Pacific. We are organized by industry verticals and then we certainly have, you know, our teams and, and leadership in the market constantly talking to our customers. We do, you know, proactive outreach as well, but there's a customer of ours uh, or uh, an, an organization that is looking to engage us in understanding what these opportunities are and how we can help them. When in the marketplace, uh, you know, we just look us up uh, on infosys.com and reach out to us and we'll be happy to engage you. Thank you so much, Sunil. Really appreciate it. This has been such a fascinating conversation. We could go so much further on this. We didn't even talk about all the different companies that you've actually been able to help, but I'm sure you've got case studies on your website. So I would encourage our listeners to look up infosys.com and get in touch if they need help with this kind of thing. So thank you so much, Sunil. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, Chad. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to you. 